Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, and all also that are also all patrons, patrons beyond the pale of kindness, patrons. Uh, I don't even know what beyond the pale means. I'm going to have to Google that. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I'm not pale when I talk about you. I blush because I say, wow, you really are my heroes. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Uh, and here you go. Here's another episode. Uh, hey, up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep we do with a bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed turn out the lights and press play i'm going to do the rest what i'm going to do is try to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's giving you awake whether it's uh, thoughts you know running through your brain feelings physical sensations travel changes you know changes in routine storm you know stormy weather like stormy stuff uh like uh, mind going blank whatever's keeping you awake uh, I'd like to distract you from that what I'm going to do did I already say I'm going to try to create a safe place where you can set all that aside a friendly place a warm welcoming place where I'm glad you're here and I hope I hope it, like uh, this place could accommodate you and I really do try to carve that out I think I've stressed that sometimes uh like a snow fort, we'll come back to that. But that truly is, uh, like, uh, yeah, we'll get back to it. So I'm trying to create a safe place, uh, a figurative snow, you know, with the warm stuff that I can, you know, I'll, I'll work on that imagery. In the meantime, for the new listeners, I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creak, dulcet tones. Yeah, pointless meanders, uh, long meanders, meander wear. I'll be wearing meander wear. Also, be like some people say they're reading tea leaves. I read my meander wear. They say, which what what does this say? Like, uh, it when I'm wearing it, it which even slows. You know, that's very distracting. Like when you try to look at your tag. How often does that happen? It feel, I feel like I'm always trying to read tags that are on clothes on me. Usually I'm trying to rip them off without ripping the shirt or the, but it's like, uh, it, like when, when would, why do I have a memory of reading tags? I think that might be like, uh, I wonder if that was implanted in us in the matrix. That's proof of the matrix maybe. Because when really would someone say, is that a rayon shirt? Holy moly. And you say, I don't know, let me check. I mean, maybe with jeans, someone would say, like, uh, I guess trying to talk to my brother into buying some jeans recently. And then he said, is there stretch in those jeans? And I said, I believe there are. Uh, but I still didn't check my, and I had I had jeans on, but uh, I still wasn't checking, like, in the store. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, think about how much we criticize dogs for chasing their own tails or more like write them off. You say, okay. They're not going to be taken over. No reason. Don't wonder they're domesticated. They're chasing their own tails. And meanwhile, we're like, I mean, at least I can only speak for myself. I'm chasing my tags. And then the dog says, it's a freaking cotton shirt. It's 100% cotton. I don't know what you're looking up. Uh, and then the dog said, that was a memory implanted by the May. And I'm not even talking to you. This is, and I say, anyway, I thought I was going to talk about snow forts after I welcomed the new listeners. I'm sorry. Uh, Matrix dog.
also a good pet name, just in case anybody's thinking about naming a pet. We always have this segment when it comes up. And Matrix, that's a good name, especially if you're if you're if if you're a Matrix lover. Like if you love Dot Matrix Brenners, probably not not very many people do. The movies, The Matrix. What if you love? I I really if if the movie I love the movie The Matrix, but if it didn't exist, it would still be a wonderful word, Matrix. And I think that is Matrix. It's two syllables. Correct me if I'm wrong, brain. Which I, but I think it's two syllables. And the second one has got like a oomph to it, and those are key in naming pets. If if you excuse me, I, I am a pet naming hobbyist. Uh, so let's run through this. Sorry to hijack the intro. That was going to be about snow forks. Snow forks. Snow forks. Uh, the forks you scoop snow with. That's tonight's sponsor. And they're having a summer sale. Oh, they just went out of business. Oh, that's quick. Anyway, back to the uh, back to Matrix. So dog. That would be a good name for a cat. I definitely could see a cat being named Matrix. You know, depending on its uh, fur or its personality or how much you love, maybe you love matrices, Uh, matrices, matrices, Uh, matrices sounds like something in a royal, like a servant at a royal event, Uh, or like, what's that third person carrying your, your, uh, whatever the thing, your gloves or something, well, it's my matrices, she's the assistant to the matron's assistant, Uh, matrices. Yeah, what about name? I don't think Matrix is the best name. Well, a bird named Matrix. Uh, that sounds like it. That's a story. Again, they could write itself to a bird named Matrix. I don't think you could, yeah, I don't think you could pick a better, at least for a title of a book, a title of a book or a story. What about, okay, so let's talk small mammals. Let's do it. Uh, Matrix. I can see, fix, fish. <laughs> Uh, sorry, but sometimes I just laugh when my brain says stuff. I said, what did, did you just say fix instead of fish? Uh, but fish, you can name fish matrix. Uh, I think maybe with single syllable words for fish is probably more efficient. Uh, cause you I mean, let's be honest, uh, you know, after the first couple of weeks, how much are you going to be interacting with those fish? Uh, you know, just when you feed them and you just say here, fishy, fishy, fishy anyway, that's nice. I guess that would be, I'm not working on any books on boosting self-esteem, but I think, well, this is probably what leads to overfishing, overfeeding a fish. That's what I meant. But, uh, it's like that good feeling you get when you say here, fishy, fishy, and the fish come. Let me talk about getting your validation in strange places, but that's where, like, uh, you know, you got to get it where you can find it. Yeah, here's like here's some terrible personal advice. If you need validation, get a fish and then feed it, and you'll feel at least however many times a day you feed the fish while it lives, you'll feel validated until you invalidate the fish, or just feed it once a day, or twice a day. You know, consult your veterinarian or your carnival worker, and I guess name that fish Matrix because uh, a, a gerbil named Matrix. I could see that. Uh, but then somebody's going to, some, some, uh, you know, know-it-all, some pet know-it-all is going to come to your house. So why'd you name it Matrix? Like with a cat, you'd say, look at its fur, look at its eyes. Because, it, like, well, how can you get more leeway? I guess you do, just because animals, uh, cats and dogs have more personality. 
I know, like, not a lot of people have pigs as pets, but that would be a good pig matrix. Mm, maybe not. You're right. It's just a gut feeling. Uh, guinea pig named Matrix. Matrix. Yeah, probably stick to, like, uh, so it's a, it's an iffy name. It's a nice word, though, Matrix. I don't know what I had, how I, why I started talking about it. Uh, honest to gosh, uh, because I was hoping to get new listeners set up. So new listeners, if you're new here, oof, there's a little dose of the matrix in my mind, which is more like a, uh, like a gobbledygook, like a guy, if, if gobbledygook could be a matrix, they just cooked ramen the other day. That's about as straight a line as I can get, you know, with this, that's like the podcast intros, like a, a bowl, a lump of ramen. I don't think that's a matrix because matrix, matri, matrices are usually more efficient or they're working for the, like the royal class carrying their gloves. I wonder, maybe I'll put out a job thing. Matrices, I'm hiring for matrices. Uh, so it, it just like, a, you know, in, in an unpaid matrices position currently. Or what do they say? Salary, salary based on experience or something. You say, well, how many years have you been? I've never heard of a matrices. Right. So I can't pay you because you've never been a matrices. Well, they don't exist. Well, they do. You just don't have any, like, I could, that's your salary's contingent on experience. You don't have any experience. Well, actually, I'm a professional snowboarder, so I carry my gloves all the time. Well, it's different, different situation entirely. Uh, anyway, I gotta get back to, so if you're new here, it's clearly this podcast, a little bit silly. You don't need to listen to it, but I'm pretty confident. Like if the podcast that you were distracted, you may have been confused and distracted, but that you were distracted from whatever was keeping you awake, uh, while I was rambling. So that's one thing. Podcasts are meant to distract you, take your mind off stuff, engage you just enough, uh, but you also don't need to listen. So you can't have permission to tune out or to, to drift off whenever you feel like it. It's a podcast that puts you to sleep, but you shouldn't feel any pressure to fall asleep right away. Um, like, a, like just fall asleep when you can. I'm here to like be here, keep you company, keep you mildly, barely entertained uh, while you drift off in a dream. Like to create a, a safe, comfortable place, much like... Uh, the perfect snow fort, which maybe only exists in the, like, uh, is that a Plutonian ideal? A Plutonian ideal, like, uh, snow fort, could that have one of those? It would be cozy. It would be warm. Uh, it would, you know, be shady where, where you get in womb-like, definitely womb-like. You know, if you want room for two, there could be room for two. Comfy, you know, where you could lie or sit down. And you say, man, I feel good in here. I feel like I could relax and, you know, to chill out. Uh, and then, you know, go pelt my siblings with snowballs uh, after they walk by or whatever the plan is. Also, it's summertime, so I don't know what I'm, why I've got snow forts on the brain. But uh, so I get, to, like, yeah, I have a snow fort envy or snow fort withdrawal, 30 years of it. But so if you're new here, you don't really need to listen or pay attention. You also don't need to feel any pressure to fall asleep. These episodes are about an hour. Like the structure of the show, a little late to share this, but the first five or six minutes or, show, or so or uh, housekeeping, and that's how we keep the show free. 
and sponsors and supporters. Uh, so if you're new, not that important. If you're a regular listener, it's kind of critical you listen to that part. And I appreciate everybody that does that. Uh, then we have an intro, which we're hopefully on the tail end of. Uh, and the intro is kind of a show within a show where people like fall asleep or start to unwind or brush their teeth, make, make and unmake their beds, puff their pillows, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, then we'll have an episode of Story Tonight. That'll be about 40, 45 minutes or so. And then some thank yous on the tail end of the show. And that's it. It's a podcast to take your mind off stuff, to put you at ease. It doesn't work for everybody. That's the only catch. Uh, I'm an acquired taste. You know, just like you can't name every pet matrix, you can't, like, not everybody's going to fall asleep to this podcast. But give it a few tries. 90% of the reviews say, hey, I've listened to it a few times or I was skeptical. And then I started to enjoy it. Uh you know, unfortunately, that doesn't exactly translate to personal life. Like, uh, but, but, you know, it works for the podcast. Like I say, well, first you got on my nerves. And then I was like, well, oh, wait a second. I don't get like, uh, you just got to sit back and listen. And then I fall asleep. So give it a few tries. I hope it helps you. And I say this every episode because I mean it. I'm really glad you're here. I work hard. I yearn and strive to help you fall. I really hope I can help you fall asleep. So thank you for coming by. All right, good night. All right, hey, everybody. So it's a Tuesday, and I've been thinking, like, uh, I had this idea kind of based on a few different things. When you hear this, it'll be a little bit uh, dated, what I'm refer- a couple of things I'm referring to. I just listened to uh, a Doughboys episode of Feral Audio Podcast, and uh, Nick Weiger has uh, like this opening kind of where he does this historical thing and he was doing it about the Sopranos and it made me think about HBO and then like kind of in a weird way uh, Farrell's got this new uh, podcast called Tapped which you should just check out to, to get the con- concept but it's uh you know they found a little leak in the N to the S to the A uh, where, where it's kind of like funny mundane conversations anyway but those two things were making me think about uh in different ways, like uh, how much of an impact HBO in these weird slivers of my childhood had on my life and in the, on, on this podcast, to be honest with you. And so this will kind of take a journey, like a little bit of a personal journey. I don't know how much fiction will be in here. Uh, any parts where I'm saying will be fiction. But uh, so like uh, I was thinking about, wow, yeah, the Sopranos had this big journey. And then I was just sinking into the past and... And then I was thinking about the power, like, of archives and, and archiving things. And I said, geez, I wonder, uh, let me see how I could talk about this. Let me talk about the biggest, like, the impact in my relationship with HBO. I've kind of talked about it before, but never in this uh, direct way, I guess. And those of you that aren't in the U.S., uh, HBO is a premium channel, like Patricia plays movies in, in their own shows. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it, but it used to stand for Home Box Office. And I believe it was one of the first premium cable channels, which you would pay, I don't know in the past what it costs, 5 10 15 bucks a month is what it costs nowadays. And now with the unbundling of cable, you know, you could just subscribe to it alone, which is real, really convenient, except when you forget about uh, making sure you get value for value. Sometimes I forget about that. 
when I talk about it on the podcast, so like with Patreon, but I see, oh, geez, what if I, what am I, if I'm paying for HBO, I want to be watching it, uh, especially when you're just subscribing to the app. I've been getting a ton of value out of the Showtime one. But so, uh, let me just talk about it. So I, I was oldest of six kids. This, if you're a new listener, this might be like a real window into some things of me. Yeah, I was born in the like I was born in the seventies, but grew up in the eighties. Uh, so mo- mostly, or became sentient. I don't know when you become sentient, uh, or your memories start recording. I mean, mine, my recording of memories has always been spotty, but I associate most of my memories with the nineteen eighties. Uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, so. Like I'm the oldest of six kids. I grew up in Syracuse, New York, and. At some point when I was a kid was when cable became a thing. Um, I remember not having cable, and then I can almost remember the day the cable got installed. And I think if you have six kids, and again, I don't know what the proposition, my parents were, I mean, when you have six kids, money's tight, no matter matter what. And then my, my mom was from a very large family, and my dad was from the Bronx, and uh, his parents were, were very concerned about money. So, so like I always lived in an environment where my parents weren't, weren't like, there weren't a lot, my parents always did their best to take care of us and their money was spent like, I think on providing for us, but they never just spent money like in a, like a casual way, I guess. Uh, so I don't know what prompted this decision. Maybe I could interview them uh, when I see them. But at some point, they decided to get cable. I think because it was such a, it just became this universal thing. And I don't know if, like, living in Syracuse, I mean, I guess going from, like, uh, three channels, or because they don't even think they had Fox back then. They just had, uh, in Syracuse, it was three, five, and nine. And then you had PBS. Uh, so four channels. Excuse me, PBS. Oh, I spent so much time with you. I didn't mean to hurt you. I'm sorry. Uh, that was, that was wrong of me. It was like, uh, I just got corporate brain. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Mr. Rogers, Captain Kangaroo, please, please forgive me. But anyway, let's move on to this corporate, let's go, let's move on to this corporate behemoth that, I mean, you did change LeVar Burton. I mean, what can I say? But that's for another time, I guess. So... So at some point we got cable. Now we didn't get, like, I don't know how they sold cable packages back then. This is where I could use the help of the NSA. I don't know if they were tapping anything back then. But if you have all this centralized, like our cable guides and our bills, it'd be super handy. Also, though, for those of you that didn't grow up in the 80s, you'll have to indulge me. But this will be, like, for, for, for our younger listeners, a little retro and for listeners that that are like uh, that weren't grew up in the eighties, maybe it'll be familiar for you as well. So I mean, this is like think about what you could do on your phone now. You couldn't even we had a Castro Ray tube TV with without even wireless remotes. The remotes were wired for the cable, and they were push button. They were I think they may have been analog. Like that brown, strange brown remote, which you had to shift it up and down to get, uh, anyway, you, some people know what I'm talking about, but it, it's not that important. Like you had to push a button that would go in to change the channel. It just, just to give you a little idea. I know it's the stone ages totally. So 
we got cable. I remember the day the cable got installed. I don't remember a lot about it. Cause it would have been like, uh, six to seven, eight years old. Would, would, I don't even know what grade you're in, in those ages. Well, no, I should. My daughter's so fourth. Yeah. So, so first, second, third grade. And I do remember a couple of things about cable. It wasn't that great for kids. They, I think at some point they came up with Nickelodeon, but I don't even think Nickelodeon had maybe had like 18 or 12 hours of programming. And this is going to reveal that, you know, I do, I, I never said I'm a heartfelt good person, but it, like they had this awful show called Pinwheel. And I don't know if there's any Pinwheel fans on there. But I loathed that show. I think I was a little bit, I think that was like the first attempt at a, a TV for toddlers. But the problem was if you stayed home from school, you faked you were sick. The main value, if you're a kid of six, oldest of six kids even, is that you want to be able to, you have full control of the TV. And after the game shows ended at noon, that was a great until school. It's until after school pro television programming. You you had this great gulf of nothingness, literally only um, soap operas and pinwheel. And pinwheel was a show like today's special. I think would start. Uh, I don't know what time they started at two thirty or three. I don't like. I I didn't really like that show, but I think one of my 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 siblings would watch it. But. uh so pinwheels just toddler TV, like, but early stages. So they're just figuring this out. So I don't even remember. I just remember it was like a disappointment that I would watch anyway. Cause what else was he going to do? I mean, I loved reading, but if I was home sick from school, it was to spoil myself because I was faking it. And I think in second grade, this is probably where most of it comes from. I did break my arm in second grade and I was home from school for a while because it was a it really in my memory I was. So maybe that's where it came from. It's like I had a long stretch at home, like a couple of weeks or something, at least in my memory. So that's probably where my uh, resentment for pinwheel came up because I had so many days that I was watching TV in a row. Of course, that's when you, uh, that's when I discovered like other channels, like, uh, I think I talked about this on a recent podcast, but there was ER, not the ER on NBC, but another George Clooney ER situation comedy. And that was on some channel, like a superstation, which I don't have time to get into. One day I'll do a show about WPIX, which also had a huge impact on my life. And, but it like, uh, there was also a show, it would be ER, and then this other show, which was a situational comedy that took place in a bar rooftop bar with a lounge singer and the the wait staff uh i don't know what that was called either those two shows for second grader were barely watchable but at least they were they were better than soap operas uh which is probably like a like a an appealing thing or something my mom liked soap operas so i couldn't like them except when i got a little older and i watched them for a little while but so at some point we got cable and then it's, so then HBO was a luxury. We wouldn't get HBO or, and then, you know, the really, the kids that like, uh, that lived the fat life in my opinion, they also had Cinemax. I, I don't know if Showtime was around, but there was TMC. That was the movie channel. 
And remember, this is pre-Blockbuster, so this is the only way you could see a Hollywood movie in your house, uh, probably. I don't know. You might There might have been video stores and stuff, uh, but, but I don't think that happened until I got to middle school. And my parents, my, my, uh, my mom was very busy and my dad was working, so they weren't about to be hitting up video stores, uh, especially if I was the oldest. The rest of the kids, you know, they were just instilling. My house was always based on Darwinism anyway. But so at some point, but what would happen is HBO would run uh, like a weekend where there would be free HBO for everybody to try to get you hooked. And then it's sometimes, I don't know what would happen. I guess, I again, I'd interview my parents, but I don't think they would be reliable witnesses. That's why I need the NSA to look through my parents' bills. It would be way more handy. But at some points we did have HBO. So I don't know if it was like a special or... Maybe when we went to bed, my one of my parents liked watching HBO secretly, or maybe they thought it like shut us up. Me, like me, is particularly because I was the oldest and the worst kid, and that's not a self-esteem thing. I just was not a. It was a handful, in a like uh, to keep us occupied for a couple more hours of peace, you know, of dealing with the, the younger kids. But so I had a lot of memories of HBO, like tons as we as we dig in here. But the pinnacle HBO moment of my life, I think, was during an HBO, whatever they call that, uh, like a preview weekend when they showed Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 82, I think, and I was too young to see that in the movie theater. And I was probably too young to see it, period, when it came to HBO, which I would assume would have been or fourth or fifth grade, so 84, 85, and particularly focused on 1984 tonight. But uh, so when I saw that movie, like it came out on exactly on noon, like because what would happen, or maybe 11, maybe 10, I think noon though, because what would happen is uh, it would be the Saturday matinee, and that was when cartoons would end, or maybe, I don't know what, I think there was like the, the like, uh, cartoon reruns or reruns or something between 10 and 12. I'm not sure the timing. Again, this is where the, the old, every late, and they say, well, you don't you work in a library? And I say, well, yeah, I guess they could go back and microfiche all this. And that's a great idea. When I have time, I will. Uh, but so, uh, so at some point, and I remember, I think my brother Carl, my sister Sheila were there. Maybe my brother Ted, I don't know. But we were trying to figure out, geez, should we go outside? Should we do so? Like, we, were, we weren't allowed to watch WWF, uh, which I think was also came on around that time on Saturdays because that would cause us too much trouble. That's professional wrestling. My dad he thinks professional wrestling was personally designed to make his life difficult, and we would act like maniacs uh, and start wrestling. So we weren't allowed to watch that because we couldn't control ourselves. But so at some point around 11 or 12, this one Saturday, we we would normally watch to see what the matinee was if we had access to HBO. And, and 99% of the time it stunk. Like sometimes you, we'll, we'll go into other possible movies that would be on. But, you know, they're trying to pitch something that's got to be PG or G and it has to have like a wide, you know, it has to appeal to a decent amount of people. So it's a tough, tough programming job for HBO, but not this day. This day they hit it out of the park because it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
And I think maybe I'd seen some ads for the movie, but since I didn't have an older sibling and my parents had six kids, so they didn't really go to the movies. I didn't really know. Like, I could not believe from the second the movie started, I was floored. Like, this was like uh, something so far out of my um, ability to, to, to understand what awesomeness could be created. Like, it was just so, like, and I'd seen some, like, old um, Flash Gordon. We'd, I probably hadn't seen a Star Wars movie yet, but maybe that's not true. I don't know when I saw my first Star Wars movie, but I'll never forget this day. I could not, from every, like, we were wrapped, uh, R-A-P-T, uh, watching this movie. And it was just unbelievable. I couldn't, I could not believe how, like, every, how awesome every second of the movie was, how funny it could be, how moved I could be, how the sounds, it just changed my life literally forever. I mean, I guess, like, it, I took some turns, some, some serious meanders away from, like, uh, like whatever, like wanting to create story and take people places. But this movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, it just, like I was literally floored. Like when the movie ended, I could not believe what I just saw. We didn't have a DVR, so I couldn't rewatch it. And like, and I remember we went outside and then the, the other kids in our neighborhood started coming outside and... This kid that lived across the street from me, Dave, I said, dude, I can't, like I was telling him, I was like, and his brother was one of my brother's ages. And it was just like, I remember it was one of those memories where you go out in the sun, like you can't get adjusted to the sun. And you're trying to reset your like, like hormones and emotions. And, and you've just been transported to someplace. And then, you know, the world, you're like uh, really hard to readjust to the world. And kind of hard to be like, well, geez, I'm just going to uh, do, like, what do we want to recreate the movie with sticks? You know, that's what we did. We immediately started adventuring. But it was just a turn, just a moment I'll never, never forget. And one of those pure moments of, uh, I don't know, like, uh, where my attention, like, I was fully engulfed by this movie. So for a long time, I've been curious, when was that? When did I see that movie? And was it the, was that the premiere? Because maybe it did say like world premiere. That's what got our attention. Uh, but I do have a very strong memory afterwards of going outside and playing outside, which in Syracuse, New York, uh, that like is, uh, like where it was warm enough, I, like that we either, we didn't have jet, like it wasn't winter or pouring rain. Like that, it was comfort. It was sunny. I remember. So it knew, you know, in Syracuse, the sun at noon isn't always guaranteed. And this might have been maybe we went outside at noon. So yeah, maybe Indiana Jones and, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, excuse me, started at ten or eleven. But so whatever, we went outside and like I just remember the sun, like I said, and then I remember playing. So so it made me think it was in the spring or the summer. But again, I don't have a ton of extra time to do research on the podcast, but I did some research because uh, HBO had their own little uh, magazine-style guides back then. So it's always just piece through them because then it'll kind of tell some of my HBO experiences in 1984 at least. 
and uh, like for some other people, because there's some stuff that I've heard of and, and some other great memories. Uh, so yeah, let's just take a look. I just am using Google here. And if we take a look back here, there's uh, this first one that came up is uh, from 1984, is June 1984. And on the inside cover, so it's like a little bit of a magazine. There's a couple ads for some movies that people have probably heard of. Uh, the Dark Crystal, another movie we won't talk about. W Wimbledon 1984 and Martinez on the cover of that. National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, Dr. Detroit, and then a George Carlin on campus special. And uh, I don't remember, like, my parents were strict about our movies, so I didn't see a lot of our movies. So I don't know when I first saw National Lampoon's Vacation. Maybe it was this summer. Watched a lot of Wimbledon. My grandmother, my mom's mom, uh, grandma, what I called her, uh, she loved tennis. So I remember, like, watching a lot of Wimbledon and this was like when McEnroe, or, or I guess I wasn't watching, I was complaining probably, but the adults would be watching it. But yeah, let's see what else we got here. And this next page is a Rich Little special, which I probably saw that. Easy Money, I didn't see that till I was much older. Uh, another Wimbledon ad, Draw, which maybe Wimbledon was the thing that got my, my parents to subscribe for my grandma, or just in general. Uh, Glenn Campbell special. Glenn Campbell, I think, sing, sings I'm the Lineman for the County, which people, when I was a uh, insect trapper, people would sing that to me. Uh, then a movie, uh, Finn Friend, Dolphin 3, but instead of Dolphin, another name. I definitely remember seeing that movie because it was in 3D, but it wasn't on HBO. But I remember loving that movie. And let's see, Fraggle Rock. I remember watching Fraggle Rock, uh, and here's like an ad for bringing home the magic of Fraggle Rock. Uh, though it doesn't look like toys. Uh, furry Fraggle Rock 5. Lovable, huggable collection of Fraggle plush. Uh, oh, I guess they are. And a dozer wind-up. They weren't a cheap. Uh, the Gobo doll, Boober. I don't remember any of these dolls, even though I watched the show. Red. I remember Red. Uh, Wembley. They, they're like around 15 to $17. And the dozer windup was uh, $4.99. Shipping and handling $2.50. Two to four weeks for delivery. Can you imagine having to wait for that long? And let's see. Let's run through some of those Fraggle Rock plots. Fraggle Rock, Red's Club. Red is surprised to see Gobo elected president of her new club. That was in October. Oh, so this page is from October. The Secret of Convincing John. How does Convincing John make Wembley a decisive fraggle? That sounds like a test question. Manny's Land of Carpets. The Promised Land beckons. Uh, it looks like a new fraggle rock comes out every week, at least in the fall. Junior sells the farm. A salesman tri trips Junior Gorg. Uh, fraggle rock. A monkey, Moki, discovers another tribe of fraggles. And there was a, a TV show, like, uh, there's a couple ads. I remember seeing this ads for the movie The Glitter Dome. Uh, James Garner, Margot Kidder, and John Lithgow, but I don't ever remember. That was probably R, or just like an adult uh, movie that it was bored me. Then there's a like a, a spot here for the right stuff. Scott Glenn, Dennis Quaid, Sham she Sam Shepard, Kim Stanley. 
I kind of remember the right stuff, but not, like, I mean, like, I, I don't think I had the, the attention span for it. Uh, let's see. Movie with George Seagal, Consumer Sports Special, uh, Tough Dramas on HBO, one with Charles Bronson, uh, one with Steve McQueen. And there's a lot of ads I saw for, um, uh, the Year of Living Dangerously. Again, I remember seeing some of these uh, previews when I was watching other stuff on HBO. But this started Miguel, or Miguel, M Mel Gibson, Sigourney Lever Weaver, and Linda Hunt, a foreign correspondent in a glamorous diplomat, are caught up in intrigue and revolt in a sultry 60s Indonesia. The atmospheric thriller features Linda Hunt in her powerful Academy Award-winning performance, Oh, wow, it's an all-knowing tipster, directed by Peter Weir, and uh, PG-13, uh, no, PG, hour and 55 minutes. Uh, never seen that movie. Uh, then, uh, let's see, Superman 3, I definitely saw this one. This was with uh, Richard Pryor. Uh, it doesn't, that, that one, it doesn't, let's see what else came out that month. Uh, can't quite... Uh, make it out not, not all the uh, pictures are uh, hd but here we go eight 1984 november raiders of the lost arcs on the cover and I, I think this is the right one it has the right also has, it says harrison ford on the cover raiders of the lost ark the right stuff uh something else all the right moves larry holmes title flight and the glitter dome uh, then we jump to uh 1984 guide and I think so. So this is a Red Skelton uh, royal performance. I definitely saw that. Uh, at least I saw some Red Skelton uh, performances. I kind of remember it. Uh, then there's an ad for Not Necessarily the News, which was, um, I think, like an early daily show. I mean, I didn't, like, I've talked about it before, but, it, it, like, I would watch that show, and I thought it was hilarious, even though I probably didn't get most of the jokes not necessarily news is my favorite news show on TV. That's from uh, M. Kitman from Newsday. Uh, look for HBO's hit comedy series on Saturday nights and other times too. Uh, so, and then there's an ad for Terry Gar or the Black Stallion Returns. I kind I don't think I was a big Black Stallion fan. So there's something about it I, that I didn't like. Uh, and then there's an ad for Silver Dream Racer with Bo Bridges. Never saw that. Uh, here's a Saturday at 11 a.m. was uh, Superman 3. That's Sunday, oh no, Sunday, April 8th. Uh, so I definitely saw that. Uh, here's another movie I gave a shot, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. That was a Steve Martin comedy. Oh, this was April 7th. I was probably watching that because Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid was on. Then Oliver at 2.30 and 7 p.m. was uh, The Black Stallion Returns. And then 9 p.m. was not necessarily the news. So, so then, I, then I probably had to go to bed. Uh, then this one's from September 1984. There's a Joe Piscopo special with Eddie Murphy. I may have seen that in a Robert Klein uh, special called... Uh, Oh, you want to uh, describe it? Uh, Potpourri uh, of Piscopo's people in his first solo. So this is like in, before Comedy Central or Netflix. Like you'd have your stand-up comedy specials. Uh, 
In his first TV special and TV appearance since Saturday Night Live, Joe presents innovative sketches and stand-up comedy. Uh, so that, so that, that's uh, Andy. Oh, he does Andy, Frank Sinatra, Joan Rivers, Andy Rooney, and David Hartman. Then Robert Klein, an all-new comedy performance. Klein raps about his New York youth, uh, now ba- with a baby of his own. The childish, uh, the child of the 50s takes a humorous look apparent in the 80s. Yeah, and then another ad for not necessarily the news. Uh, here's one from May of 84. There was Sugar Ray, Ray Leonard. Twilight Zone. Oh, here. So this was definitely I was watching this time. So this must have been the year we had it because Twilight Zone, the movie. I saw that. Uh, and War Games. I definitely saw that. Uh, February of 84. Uh, Billy Crystal special. I probably saw that. A David Bowie special. I never saw that. Holy moly. The Man with Two Brains. I tried watching that. Probably watched it a few times. Uh, then April of 84, they had a high road to China, uh, women's gymnastics, Superman three, also uh, a culture club and concert. They had something called single plays, uh, the David Bowie special, a down, a, a summer special. Uh, I don't know what that means. A beach boy special, a culture club, George Burns, last unicorn, uh, then something called the Far Pavilions, an epic on grand scale. Thousand extras, five thousand costumes, three palaces, scores of camels, horses, and elephants. It helped to recreate the splendor of uh, India under the British Raj. Uh, the setting for HBO premiere films, The Far Pavilions, this twelve million dollar miniseries, was filmed in India. So wow, first of three parts. Oh, here's an ad that notes that HBO's 24 hours. Uh, so that was a big deal, too, because back then TV would just stop. Uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, here's an ad from in, in October 1984, Family Showcase, every weekday afternoon. But there's better stuff on normally. But, but a boy named Charlie Brown, that was a decent movie. Uh, David Copperfield, Gizmo, I don't know what that is. We Think the World is Round, those Columbus's Ships, uh, Robbers, Rooftops, and Witches, a story by, stories by O. Henry Ray Bradbury, The Halloween That Almost Wasn't. I probably saw that. That was pretty picky. Here's another ad for Superman 3 from uh, 84. Uh, August 84, there was a Bette Midler special and Mr. Mom. So I definitely remember seeing Mr. Mom. So this was the year I saw this. Uh, uh, here's an interesting one. This is a HBO 1984 Christmas schedule. Uh, Rich Little's A Christmas Carol. Uh, that must have been a hit. 50 Minutes. Uh, Red Skelton presents Freddy the Freeloader's Christmas Dinner with Vincent Price. And then the beloved uh, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It's 49 minutes. Uh, Jim Henson's Muppets, an award-winning story about love, generosity, and loyalty. Uh, the Trolls in the Christmas Express. I don't know what that one was, but determined to sabotage Christmas. Six Trolls sneak into Santa's Village. Delightful animation. The Christmas that almost wasn't. Uh, when a Scrooge-like zillionaire buys the North Pole, so children come to Santa's rescue. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, it was on December 25th. What a great Christmas movie. Uh, 
Harrison Ford stars in George Lucas and Steven Spielberg's box office hits. And here's the Saturday family matinee. That's what I was talking about. Uh, December 1st, Annie. I saw that. Uh, December 8th, Shipwreck. I don't remember that one. December 15th, Daffy Duck's movie. Saw that. Uh, December 22nd, another classic in my life, uh, War Games. And then December 29th, uh, it was Superman 3. That was also a classic. Okay, just run around here. Let's see. Uh, this one's from March of 1982, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. That was a classic for me. Uh, Weaving a Spell to Save Britain from WW2, uh, Amateur Witch Angela Lansbury stirs up a lively brew of fantasy and music. Uh, it's been a blend of live action and animation. Won an Oscar for special visual effects. Also, there was a Simon and Garfunkel concert in the park, standing room only. The big music event in 1981 is now an HBO exclusive. This historic concert features 21 songs, including Mrs. Robinson and the Sound of Silence. Yeah, let's see what else was on TV during the day. Um, the Electric Horseman. I remember seeing that, like not understanding what the heck that was. Uh, uh, Saturday, March 13th, though, 7 p.m., Bedknobs and Broomsticks was on. Uh, let's see, on Sunday, March 14th, I don't see, oh, Simon and Garfunkel was on, but I don't, I would have been to second grade. I was too young for that. Here's one uh, from 86. Uh, HBO Family Showcase. I don't think I had the, uh, we we didn't have HBO then because I don't recognize any of this uh, other than, uh, you know, Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Uh, July 1982, definitely didn't have it. They had baseball on there. Wow. Or a baseball show, Race for the Pennant, uh, Diana Ross a special with a 50-piece orchestra. Only When I Laugh with Christy McNichol and Marsha Mason. Okay, here's some stuff I might have missed. Uh, what's this, 82? Yeah, I still didn't. I don't think I saw any of this. Uh, they had Walt Disney's production, The Black Hole, which I ended up seeing at some point, but uh, I think I was just uh, a little bit off on the ages there. Yeah, these are still, uh, how about this one, All Night Radio, an HBO comedy, a TV show about radio? Just flip your dial to the zany comedy special about an all-night radio station. See it from the DJ's booth, listen in at the dinner door, or the diner next door. Wow, cast of far-out ca characters. Uh, here's a year I may have had it, though. Um, Popeye with Robert, Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. That was in 1982. I definitely saw that movie. The squint-eyed sailor of the comic strip comes to life on the screen. Robin Williams stars in this high-spirited comedy with Shelley Duvall as a beanpole olive oil. Here was a movie I was thinking about the other day uh, that was on there. Uh, St. Helens, uh, starring Art Carney. Uh, May 18th, uh, 1980, dawned like a common clear. Yeah, but then, you know, Mount St. Helens did some stuff. Uh, August 30th, that came out on HBO 1982. I kind of remember seeing that, and then, but it, it wasn't really in it for the drama, so I didn't really watch very much of it. Here's another movie I saw. I remember seeing the song in the, uh, the ads for, but never seen it in my life. Uh, 
the nights the lights the night the lights went out in Georgia. This was August 1982. It's a PG movie. Nashville bound with the law knife far behind. Christy McNichol and Dennis Quaid turn the country and western music business upside down. Mark Hamill also co-stars in this upbeat drama. Adult situations and language and brief nudity. At PG, you could get brief nudity. You got to be kidding me. So that's interesting. Um... It, but i never seen that movie. And I was a big fan of these Gary Coleman movies. I don't remember this one. It's called Scout's Honor. Uh, but I do remember a few other ones I liked. A, sing, a happily single executive becomes a den mother for youngsters who wreak havoc with her life. Gary Coleman in a funny, often moving drama. And I was a big Gary Coleman fan. Let's see what was on on the weekends in 82, August. Uh, Under the Rainbow. Scout's Honor, the Gary Coleman movie that was at 10.30 a.m. Clash of the Titans. So I was watching this. Uh, that was at 12.30, August 14th. I probably was watching right then. Uh, then they kind of repeat everything again, which th- that would get on my nerves too. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sunday, August 15th, 10.30 a.m., Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Well, that would be good. That was a good weekend. Then there was a Beach Boys special, five thirty. Then another uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. So that would have been a good time to uh, to have HBO. How about this one? Nineteen eighty four, Men at Work in concert and Crystal Gale in concert. David Bowie, Serious Moonlight. Wow, a lot of good stuff. Oh, here's the family showcase. I don't re- recognize anything but one thing, Raggedy Ann and Andy, 1982. I remember this movie. I think we had it on videotape as a kid, and I never liked it. Uh, I don't know what about it. it. It definitely triggered something on my somatic level or whatever vestigial. I don't know if I had a vestigial uh, Raggedy. I did have a Raggedy Andy doll because my name was I was called Andy as a boy. Uh, but let's see, Fearless Ragdolls, Raggedy Ann and Brother Andy set out on a musical adventure to rescue the kidnapped French doll Babette. Clever animation plus live action, G. It wasn't G to me. It, uh, there's something in it that's, uh, you know, I did, that made me, oh boy, what year is this, 1986? At some point in 86, The Legend of Billie Jean was on. Uh, but I don't see what time. Also, 86. So we probably had it at Breakfast Club. I remember seeing that movie, 1986. Uh, here's another one from 1984, The Family Showcase. I don't recognize any of these things. I think this was back to when they still had propaganda for kids. Uh, so, like, a lot of stuff to convince kids to be perfect. Uh, um... The special magic of herself, the elf, then Fraggle Rock. Uh, yeah, let's run through this. Of course we should run through this Fraggle Rock. Wembley's eggs. A gigantic bird's egg shows up in Fraggle Rock. Wembley discovers he's a mother. Boober Rock. Uh, Boober wants peace and quiet, uh, but life away from his pals has its problems. The trash heap doesn't live here anymore. The Gorgs uh, decide to build a gazebo, and Wembley's mission is to save the trash heap. Red's a sea monster. Red has Red's sure she discovered a mysterious beast. Let's see. This one's from 84. There was not necessarily the the Olympics special and then not necessarily the news. Uh, 
those are classics. This was the LA 84 LA Olympics too. So it must've been a lot of, uh, things, uh, wavelength with Robert Carradine. I don't remember that movie. Love sick with, uh, Dudley Moore, strange brew. I definitely saw that movie. Uh, Oh, also a Cheech and Chong movie. So Strange Brew, SCTV's Lunatic, and McKenzie Brothers try to outsmart a brewmaster who's spiking the world's beer supply with mind-controlled drugs. I was definitely watching that in 84. And then Yellowbeard, Cheech and Chong, and Marty Feldman. Swatchbuckling silly. I've never seen this. Graham Chapman's in this. Plays this aging scourge of the briny sea. Huh, I wonder if that movie was any good. So this is July 1984. Let's see, July 7th, uh, we had uh, Bear Island. Oh, Swamp or Swamp Buddy. Uh, it's not the real name of it, but I remember watching that movie. So I was probably watching on July 7th at 1.30 p.m. And then nothing looks like I would watch it. Uh, and then Sunday, July 8th, uh, Honky Tonk Man. Oh, James Bond movie, Octopussy. My dad, was that he was like, you will never watch that movie. And I don't think I did. I mean, I think he too, like, uh, he didn't get that. I think I was like, Dad, there's an octopus in the movie. But he took it literally, so he was like, you'll never see that movie. This was another thing I loved, Brain Games on HBO. This is what they, the HBO's exclusive... Uh, Funny new half hour of family entertainment. The show you don't watch is the show you play. It's a series of mind teasing segments and it's truly original. I really liked that uh, brain games and I liked it. It said brain games. Uh, here's 1987, which I don't know if we had it back then, but that's when Return of the Jedi premiered in March of 1987. Oh, boy, here, I'm seeing some uh, good ones here. This was a, a movie, oh, no, White Knights. I, like, I didn't like, that was Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines. I was a bigger fan of Running Scared. Uh, but that one, I don't really remember. I think it had to do with ballet. A Nightmare Becomes Real for Ru Russian defector Mikhail Baryshnikov when his plane crashes in Siberia. And he has hope with two people he can't trust. U.S. defector Gregory Hines. Uh, they also have an ad for HBO Late Night, which uh, was like rated R movies, uh, uh, but mostly comedies, uh, I think, uh, lately. You know what I mean. Here's a couple other classics that I saw. Uh, Emo, Emo Phillips comedy specials. I definitely caught those. Uh Emo is an original, to say the least, and his view of life is just uh, as original. On topics like scuba diving, washing the kitchen, he has a unique, unique way of looking at things. Here's Emo at the Hasty Puddings Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That was in 87, though. Uh, then Lucas, I remember watching this movie a bunch. Lucas is in love, but he's too short, too skinny, and too much of a loner. This is Corey Haim. Uh, still the 14-year-old outsider is determined to win the prettiest girl at school away from the handsome football hero. Oh, here we go. Legend of Billie Jean, uh, 1986. Uh, Billie Jean Davy is the typical girl next door until fate turns her world upside down and sends her on the run from the law. Helen Slater from Ruthless People plays Billie Jean. 
who becomes a media symbol, sensation, and national celebrity. Also, I remember her Transylvania 6500. I don't remember watching it, but I remember when that came out. Uh, daytime. Here's Breaking. I remember seeing that movie a lot. What year is this? 87. That makes sense. Uh, two veteran breakdancers team up with a more conventional dance student. The trio of dreamers airs to aim high right at the Broadway stage. Uh, I was bigger on Breaking, too, Electric Boogaloo, but uh, I do remember Breaking. Uh, Sesame Street presents Follow That Bird. That was a Sesame Street movie. Uh, Reds, I don't think I saw that when, when I was young. Here's April 87. That's when Back to the Future hit uh, HBO. Here's one of the funniest and most exciting time travel fantasies ever. I would say movies ever, but uh, Michael J. Fox, the 80s team, accidentally zooms to the nifty 50s and almost uncreates himself by disrupting the romance between his teen parents-to-be. Nominated for four 1985 Oscars. And there was also a Barbara Streisand special on there. Um, oh, here was, this one had huge impact on me, but it wasn't, this was in the 87, was Robert Townsend always had these HBO specials. And I loved those. It was like sketch comedy and stand-up. Uh, director star of Hollywood Shuffle shares a stage with some up-and-comers in the evening of comedy and music, uh, December 19th and December 30th. Uh, oh, this was HBO Comedy Hour Live. But at some point, they would give him his own uh, regular regular special. And this one here is uh, Seasons Greetings, December HBO, December 1986 and HBO, Rocky IV, which I so I was, we definitely had HBO in 86 because uh, Spies Like Us, I loved that movie. Rocky IV, what other movies? Jim Cotta, that was another one I saw a lot. Uh, Ghostbusters, uh, what else we got on here? Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, Santa Claus, the movie. I don't know about that one. Uh, Christmas at Radio City Music Hall. Look at this lineup. Last Laughs, New Year's Eve comedy, Comedy Relief 87. Listen to this one. Paul Reiser, Roseanne Barr, Bob Goldflaid, Jerry Seinfeld, Sam Kinison, Paul Rodriguez, and Women of the Night. Also, they have First in Ten, which was this HBO comedy would occasionally have brief nudity. That was one of the main reasons I watched it. I'll be honest with you. It was kind of funny. Um, or it would have adult situations or whatever you call that, where it was almost brief nudity. Okay, here's a, let's finish up with this. This is July 1986. Uh, Mad Max was out that summer. Uh, Cannonball Run 2. So I saw that. Uh, Girls just want to have fun. I don't remember that, but I mean, I remember the song. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Midnight Express. Was that the, uh, was that the, um, Charles Grodin, uh, De Niro movie? Midnight Run. You're right. That was called Midnight Run. Oh, St. Elmo's Fire, Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, yeah, I definitely was watching then. I was missing good movies. A Pale Rider. I didn't see that back then. Oh, there's one of my loves, A View to a Kill. So this was a good year. This was a good time. Hall & Oates, uh, The Liberty Concert. 
not necessarily the movies, not necessarily the news. Uh, Robert Klein on Broadway, the regular Cannonball Run, Meatballs Part Two. Oh boy, I definitely Secret and Nim, Twilight Time. I don't know Wimbledon, Wimbledon, nineteen eighty six. Uh, a couple other movies, uh, you know, like uh, you've probably seen Tina Turner's Private Dancer. So, yeah, that, that was some HBO from my childhood. I, I guess we didn't really nail anything down, but it was an interesting journey. Uh, hopefully it put you to sleep. Okay, I want to thank everybody uh, supporting the show on Patreon. I want to thank Kay, Tracy, and Veronica with a K. Thanks and good nights. I want to thank Emily, Ketchup, and Oliver. Thank you and good nights. I want to thank Christy, Jeremy, and Kate. Thank you and good night. I want to thank Carl, Caitlin, and Patricia. Thank you and good night. I want to thank and good night Mark, Rainey, and Andrew G. Thank you and good night. Uh, good night and thank you to Rachel, Douglas, and Rob. Thanks and good night to Casper, to Kate Reeds, and to Sophie B. Yeah, thank you and good night to Helen, to Teresa, and to David. Thank you and good night. Good night and thank you to Robin, to Brian, and to Ruth. Yeah, thanks and good night to Mary J, uh, Kay, and Jamie M. Uh, good night and thank you to Sarah, to the M, to the S, uh, Dana, and Rachel. Uh, good night and thank you to Bernadette, uh, Vaughn, and Crystal. Thanks and good night to Lisa, to Mary and Aaron. Uh, good night and thank you to Renee, T, Stephanie, and Jen. Uh, thanks and good night to Lisa, to Cher, and to Deborah. Uh, good night and thank you to Cheryl, to James, and Samantha D. Uh, thanks and good night to Vincent, to Blair, and Kathleen. Uh, good night and thank you to Tammy, to Goran. And to Michelle, uh, thanks and good night to Kathy, to Lauren with an O to the R to the E to the N, to Claire, and to Mr. B. Uh, thanks and good night to Sonia. Thank you and good night to Rachel, Tyrone, Rachel and Tyrone. Thank you and good night. Vicky, Nomads, and Mary Beth. Thank you and good night. Claudia, Margaret, and Nina. Thank you and good night. Mike, Jesse, with a J to the to two S's and a Y, and Sarah, thanks and good night. Yeah, thanks and good night to Shannon S, to X Modem, a former modem, and Skype. Uh, that makes me up. Then Sky, thank you and good night. Good night and thank you to Doug, to Shirley, and to Gil. Uh, good night and thanks to Patricia, to Tony with an I, and to Eli. Uh, thanks and good night to Andrew M, to Taryn, and to Bebheen. Uh, good night and thank you to Rosie, to Viv Vivian, and Rob with two Bs. Thanks and good night to Diane, to Michael C, and to Melinda. And thanks and good night to Lori, to Lupe, and Laura, and Shelly. Thanks and good night, everybody, for supporting the show over on Patreon. Thank you so much.